This is the Intego Mac Podcast for December 13th, 2017. In this episode, we'll have details on the December 2nd iOS date bug, which although quickly patched, has raised questions about Apple's recent release schedule, plus tips on backing up your iOS device, and a possible flaw in how those backups are secured. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software, exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. So a week ago Saturday, one of my cats woke me up. We have two cats, Titus and Rosalind, and Rosalind is this adorable white cat, and she's very strange. She's generally shy, but in the morning, sometimes she'll just climb on the bed and sort of tap me with her paw as if to say I'm hungry. And I got up and fed Rosalind, and I went back to bed. It was 6 o'clock in the morning, 6.30, something like that. So what do I do? I get my iPhone. I start going through Twitter to see what the news is. And at one point in my Twitter feed, I see a lot of people I follow who talk about iOS and Apple products all of a sudden freaking out that there's this bug that had started appearing in Australia. They get the day first. And this was December the 2nd. And apparently there was a bug that on December the 2nd, if you had an app that made local notifications, it would crash the springboard. Now, the springboard in iOS is the equivalent of the Finder on the Mac. It's the home screens. It's the icons of apps and folders and all that. You didn't see anything about this, did you? You were probably asleep. At that point in time, I'm, I'm quite sure that I was sleeping soundly and not, not a care in the world at that moment. Well, in fact, at the time I saw this, it was still December 1st for you because we're about eight hours apart. So it's probably 11 at night for you. And it's 11 at night for Apple, where all of a sudden they realized that something was wrong. So I went back to sleep, and a couple hours later, I saw that people were still talking about this. And I don't remember what time it was during the day. I think it was early afternoon, my time. So 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., Apple's time in California, that they pushed out an update, iOS 11.2. This may be one of the fastest updates I've ever seen Apple push out, that they're actually waking people up at midnight in California to get them to rush out an update. So here's what the bug did. If you had an app that was sending local notifications, it would crash the springboard. Now, what that means is these weren't notifications coming from a server, right? You get an iMessage and you get and you have notifications on in the Messages app. That notification comes from the server. But if it was an app itself, for instance, you have an app to remind you to do some tasks. Some people were mentioning a specific app that they use that reminds them to take medication at certain times. So you've set a reminder, a notification with an app on the device, and it warns you from the device. And if this happened, this would cause crashes. Now, I quickly turned off a couple of apps that I have that might do that, and it's hard to know. Does my task management app that saves data to the cloud send me a notification locally, or does that notification come from the cloud? It's hard to tell. But I just think it's amazing that Apple had to rush out this update so quickly. Yeah, it, it, and it seems to almost show a pattern recently of of Apple having major software bugs and then having to rush out a patch because as we just talked about last week, there was the IAM root vulnerability and uh, you know Apple had to rush rush out a patch for that to 
prevent um, all kinds of catastrophic things from happening because of, you know, even as we discussed, potentially remote exploitation in some cases of Macs. And then they had to rush out an update to the update because the first update broke file sharing for lots of people. Right. One could perceive that maybe there's some quality control issues going on with, <laughs> with the software development at Apple recently. Now, it's worth pointing out that the update that Apple issued on Saturday, December 2nd, so about 10 days before we're publishing this podcast, this was the iOS 11.2 update. It wasn't simply a patch for this one bug, right? The IM root update was a very simple patch that fixed just probably one line of code that someone got wrong. This was the 11.2 update that had been in beta. So developers who had been using beta versions had had this for a couple of weeks, and it was probably not the final version of 11.2, but that means, and maybe between the time that we record this on Friday and release it the following Wednesday, they'll have come out with a final 11.2 update. Yeah, I, I would absolutely not not be surprised. And if, and if it hasn't dropped by the time the episode goes live, it, it, it will, I'm sure, shortly, because um, it's very common for for Apple to release a, a 0.1. So, for example, in this case, it would be 11.2.1 um, within a certain number of days after the major um, version update. And the reason for that is because usually when you have um, a bigger point release, so for example, in this case, going from 11.1 point something to 11.2, usually that means that they're adding features. And when they add features, there's a pretty good chance that either something old is going to break or that something new will be found to have some bug that needs to be fixed. And so, yeah, I, I would def absolutely expect Apple to come out with a, an 11.2.1 soon if they haven't already by the time our listeners hear this. Yes, 11.2 brings one major feature, and that's Apple Pay Cash. So you can now use Apple Pay to send people money through the Messages app. But it's maybe worth explaining a little bit how this works. When an operating system comes out, and it's a dot zero, so iOS 11.0, that is the first major release. As you said, if they make a, a release with new features, it'll be a dot release, so 11.1. .1. And if they make a release with fixes, it's generally a dot dot release, which could be 11.0.1, for example. So when you see the version number of an update, you can know that if it's one-tenth of the version, right, the, the first decimal, it's a major update. And if it's a hundredth of a version with the second decimal point, then it's a smaller update. Yeah, I, I, that's about as well said as can be. When you've got multiple decimal points, it gets uh, it, it gets a little funky. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, that that's that's pretty accurate, I would say. Uh, another thing to point out is that we've seen cases with Apple updates more to iOS than macOS that have caused major problems. And people are sometimes recommended to not update their devices immediately. This makes it hard for us to make a firm recommendation. Should we always update immediately? Should we always wait until people have tried it out, until uh, other guinea pigs have tried it out for us? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And especially because of the potential security implications whenever Apple comes out with a, a new update. One thing that Mac users, at least to some degree, can kind of do is to stay behind on, for example, right now it would be Sierra instead of High Sierra. Version 10.12 has been out longer. It's more stable, theoretically, than the brand new version that just came out you know, a few months ago. On the other hand, Apple really, as we mentioned before, only releases all of the security updates sometimes for the most recent version of macOS. Additionally, 
in recent years, Apple has not been releasing any patches at all for previous versions of iOS. So if you're still on iOS 10 point something, you're not getting any more updates probably ever again. You're you're stuck. That means, you know, all the the recent vulnerabilities that have been patched from iOS 11.0 to today, those vulnerabilities still exist in 10.3.3 or whatever the final release of 10 uh, iOS 10 was. So generally speaking, when it comes to iOS updates, especially iOS updates, you want to be on the very latest version because if you're behind, you've got problems on your uh, on your device that can be exploited. Well, some people have devices that are too old to run a more current operating system. It turns out that my son's iPhone broke and he wasn't prepared to buy a new one. So someone gave him an, I think he's on an iPhone 5 and it can only run iOS 10. So he's not up to date. That's a fact. But with an iOS update like this, as I was saying earlier, sometimes we tell people don't update right away, Mm -hmm. sometimes update right away. I think the most important thing is to make sure that you back up your iOS device before you update. Kirk and Josh will have more on making iOS backups and a potential security risk to those backups when the Intego Mac podcast continues in just about a minute. And if you have any questions or suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover, send us an email at podcast at intego.com. You're obviously a Mac user who's interested in staying up to date on the latest Mac security news and issues. The best way to do that is to subscribe to the Intego Mac podcast. And there's one other thing we'd like you to do. Save some money. Right now, Intego Mac podcast listeners can get 50% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code IntegoPodcast at checkout to save 50%. That's IntegoPodcast to save 50% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. It's a great time to save 50% on Mac Premium Bundle X9 using the promo code IntegoPodcast at checkout. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. So there are two ways to back up your iOS device. One of them is to back it up to your computer and one is to back it up to iCloud. I'll link to an article on the Intego Mac security blog that discusses this. But let's do a quick overview of what the pros and cons are of these different types of updates. So first of all, you've got your iCloud backup. When you're backing up to iCloud, you don't have to have your device necessarily plugged into a Mac. And and that's one of the big advantages, I think, of iCloud backups is that they're simple. You can do them while you're on the road as long as you've got a, a data connection and you can plug your device into power, then it'll back up automatically to the cloud. And most of the things that, that you have on your device will get backed up to iCloud, which is um, which of course is very, very useful. It's more convenient maybe from the sense that you don't have to plug it in, but there are some advantages of actually plugging in your iOS device to a Mac and then backing it up with the iTunes application on your Mac. Well, when you make an iCloud backup, not everything gets backed up. Notably, your health data doesn't get backed up. So if you really depend on that and you have to wipe your 
iPhone for some reason and, and restore it, you might lose your health data. I'll link to an Apple tech support document called What Does iCloud Backup? And it explains it backs up your app data, your Apple Watch backups, your call history, device settings, home kit configuration, your home screen and app organization. So that's where your icons and folders are. All of your messages, photos and videos that are on your phone or other iOS device, but not the ones that are in iCloud Photo Library if you use that. Your purchase history from Apple services, that's really already in the cloud your ringtones, and your visual voicemail password. Now, if you use iCloud to store your data, you don't have to worry about backing it up. So your email, your contacts, and your calendars, they're already on iCloud. They're not backed up when you make a backup because they're already there. Anything in your iCloud drive isn't going to need to be backed up. Your photo stream, your iCloud photo library, your iCloud music library, and all that. Right. They, they live in iCloud, and so there's no special additional backup that, that needs to be done there. Right. Now, one of the problems with iCloud backups is that they take up a certain amount of space. I've railed about this for years, that when you buy an iOS device, you get five gigabytes of storage. And when you buy a second iOS device, you still have the same five gigabytes of storage. And when you buy a Mac, you still have the same five gigabytes of storage. And the storage is per account and not per device. And, and it's really not fair. It's actually a bit cheap to make people pay 99 cents a month to get, I think it's 50 gigabytes, which is the next step up. And a lot of people don't back up to iCloud because they've got a lot of photos and they've filled up their five gigabytes and they don't want to pay for it. Yeah, oh, man, this is, this, this is definitely a frustration for me too. And one of the reasons why I, I've just kind of almost completely avoided using iCloud for, for backing up anything. And so I, I go 100% in the other direction where I just back up, you know, I just do the full backup to, to iTunes on my Mac and I don't even worry about the I, iCloud backups at all because I'm I'm so concerned about that just filling up and then I'll be, feel like, oh, okay, now I've got to pay Apple some money just so I can back up my device. I don't think so. Not for me. <laughs> well, I pay them for the 50 gigabytes because I have a photo library and that's like 40 gigabytes already. But to me, this is actually a security problem because there are lots of people who will never pay and therefore can't back up their devices, in particular if they have more than one device. You want people to have backups. If you don't have a backup, you're going to lose things. And, and you know, you may lose those photos. Let's say that you've been taking photos of your kids and you're not using iCloud Photo Library because you don't have enough space and your device gets damaged or lost. You've lost those photos. Now, I do both, and, and there's a reason for that. I, I do my iTunes backup every day in the morning. I connect my phone it's automatic. I don't even have to think about it. But every couple of weeks when I when it crosses my mind, I'll turn on the iCloud backup on my phone and I'll let it back up in case I'm ever away from home, something happens and I have to restore my device. I'm not doing this to save all my data, all my content. I'm doing this as an emergency stopgap operation. And that brings up a really interesting point is that um, whenever you are about to do a major iOS update or even a minor one for for that matter it's a great idea to to back up your ios device at that time just in case something goes wrong you'll have a restore point yeah and even if you're not home so let's say you're on the road you're on business or on vacation on december 2nd and you see that there's this bug and your phone is crashing and you manage to get the update installed if you don't have that icloud backup and something goes wrong then you're really in a bit of trouble aren't you yeah, yeah, you, you could be. We tell people all the time, you 
absolutely want to keep regular backups. It's not it's not good enough to just back up your device every once in a while, because as you say, things can happen where if you didn't back up recently, well, you've lost everything since your last backup. This is probably more important even with iTunes than with iCloud, because when you back up an iOS device, every once in a while, you'll get a message that the backup is corrupt. And if you keep backing it up and Apple keeps rotating the backups, you know, replacing it with a, with a newer one, you have less of a chance of not having a usable backup. I think on another episode, we'll talk about the strategies for backing up your Mac because there are slightly different things to think about. But if you do back up your Mac with Time Machine, which is a feature in Mac OS, Time Machine will write every file that's new or changed. So essentially, you could go back through all your iPhone backups in Time Machine and pull out a previous one if one of them is corrupt. And Intego Personal Backup gives you the similar option of keeping multiple copies of certain files. And and it's always a good idea to, to think that you, one backup is good, two backups are better, but a backup to the backup in case the backups are corrupted is even better. Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about um, having your iOS device backups being backed up by your Mac. That's kind of a clever idea. Yeah, it is. And that way you can, I've probably got, you know, well, Time Machine keeps one backup per day and then one backup per week after a month. So I've got 30 for the last 30 days and then one for every week to the oldest backup on my Mac iCloud is different. iCloud makes a single backup of your device. It's what we call an incremental backup. So what it does is it will back up new files or files that have changed. So if you've got a file on your device and it hasn't been changed since the last backup, it won't get copied. This, of course, saves time in the backup, meaning that it won't have to copy everything. And and this is one of the main principles of, of backups in general. Most backup software works like this. Right. And it also saves bandwidth, of course, too, because if you're not backing up something that's already backed up, well, then that uh, it doesn't require any upload or, or download necessary there. It's worth pointing out that Apple made a bit of a change in the way they encrypt backups for iOS. And this ensures that your data is safer, that you can recover it more easily, but it reduces security a bit. Can you explain this? Yeah, sure. So Rich Mogul wrote a really good article about this on on Tidbits, where he explains the essential elements of what Elcomsoft is claiming. Elcomsoft is a is a company that uh, does, let's say, iOS device recovery, for example, is what they might market it as. Essentially, they're hackers and they find ways into machines. And so if somebody with enough money comes to them and says, hey, we want you to break into this device, that's what they do. That's their business. And so Elcomsoft recently published something where they explained that with iOS 11, when your device is being backed up, instead of just being backed up to, um, so for example, you, you ha- when you synchronize with iTunes on your, on your Mac, or it could, could even be your Windows PC if for some reason you're using Windows, but when, when you back up your device to iTunes on your computer, you normally have to, um, if you encrypt your backup, there's a little checkbox for that. And if you do inc- choose to encrypt your backup, you have one password that you put in at that point in time. And you have to remember that password forever or you're never going to be able to restore that backup. Well, you can tell your Mac to remember it. It'll store it in the keychain. 
But one of the risks to this is it might be in the keychain and you might forget it and you might not get, then the keychain might be corrupted, etc. Right. And so what Elcomsoft discovered is that Apple changed things with iOS 11. So now there are actually two passwords or passcodes that are being used to encrypt your device uh, or your device backup, I should say. And so what, what that means is that if you go to restore it and you've forgotten this one password that you put in once before or you didn't save it to your keychain, there's another way that you can recover the data that you've backed up. And that is using the passcode that you use on your device, which could potentially be a bit of a security concern if you're not using such a great passcode on your device. So we, we, we talked recently about, um, you know, how there's different options. In older versions of iOS, it defaulted to a four-digit PIN and how that's potentially a little bit less secure because there's only 10,000 options, all zeros to all nines. And most of the time, people are not picking something that uh, nobody else has ever picked before. Well, somebody's probably picked it. There's only 10,000 options. And so you can brute force it as well. But even with a six-digit PIN, which is what iOS defaults to now, there's still a very limited number of options. And so if you were to take your iTunes backup, and if I, if Elcomsoft were able to obtain that, they could just guess one million times, and they would eventually break into your device if you're using a six-digit PIN. So... In order for you to actually have really good security on your on your iTunes backup, what you have to do now is to actually have a really good password, not just a PIN, but an, a good password that you're using to protect the data on your device, which, of course, is less convenient because every time that you do have to put in the password on your mobile device, now you've got to type in a much more long and complex password. Yes, it's important to know that while your iPhone or your iPod will ask you to set up a six-digit passcode with iOS 11, you can also put an alphanumeric passcode, which is essentially a password of, of, with any characters. To do this, go to Settings, Touch ID, and Passcode, Change Passcode. You enter your current passcode, and then you tap Password Options, and you'll get a menu offering you three options, alphanumeric code, numeric code, or four-digit numeric code. Now, you could essentially put a 15 or 20 character passcode in there. You could even choose correct horse battery staple, as we mentioned in episode six, to have a really complicated passcode. Yeah, or, well, you wouldn't want to use that exact one, but that's true. <laughs> uh, something like that. Sure, sure, yeah, some, something complex. Incorrect llama water filter or something. <laughs> Salamander maybe on the end, I don't know. Salamander, <laughs> I like that. But but we have that option if you want to be really secure. Now, here's a question I have for you, and this is something I've been wondering about. If this article was saying that you can reset the password by entering your passcode, right? Then how secure is the iOS device in the first place? That means that that initial password that you may have put in, correct horse battery staple, to protect your backup is no stronger than the six-digit passcode that you're using normally. Does that mean that your backup is encrypted in two different ways, once with the password and once with the PIN? How does the PIN reset the password? Well, and, and I, I didn't read Elcomsoft's full write-up, but what I'm assuming is happening here is that they're using two different keys to encrypt your, your backup. So with, um, with public key cryptography, you have something that's called a public key that's used for encrypting something. 
and you have something called a private key that matches up with that public key. And so if if what they're doing here is that they're using two public keys, they're, they're using one based on the password that you're putting, that you have traditionally put in when you do an iTunes backup on, on your Mac. And they're also using one based on the, on the password that you use on your device, then that's how you can have one backup that has two passwords that are associated with it. Right. That's like if you have a lock that can accept two different keys, and that means it's only as strong as the weakest key, correct? That's absolutely true. Yes. If, if you, in this particular case, if you figure out what one of those passwords is, then now you have access to the backup. So this is what worries me, that if I'm really paranoid and I choose a really long password in iTunes to encrypt my backup, there's absolutely no extra security because I've got a six-digit passcode on my phone, right? <laughs> True. Yeah. If, if you've got a six-digit passcode on your phone, then uh, it's not going to be difficult for a company like Elcomsoft to break into your backup if they obtain your backup. Right. So the, the point here is it's not just that the security is less, it's that the stronger security is simply a facade. This is Potemkin security. Well, so what's really interesting is that I, most of the places that I've seen this talked about, they, they talk about how this is a reduction in your security in iOS 11. I would argue that it's really only a reduction in your security if you don't have a good, strong password on your iOS device. In other words, yes, it is definitely reduction in, in your security if you have a six-digit pin on your device because, you know, that makes it much easier to break into your into your device backup now. Now, we've got multiple levels of passwords here. You've got the pin for the device, you've got the password for the backup, and you've got the password for the Mac or the PC that's storing the backup. But as we know, it's very easy to reset the password on a Mac to log in in a certain way to get root, as we talked about in the last episode, and basically copy any file. So you really have pretty much zero protection against Tom Cruise on your Mac. He can come in and take your Mac and get your backup without any problem at all. So you really are left that the weakest link is your passcode. Now, I think you use a pretty long passcode, don't you, Josh? Yeah, I use something ridiculous. <laughs> even on my even on my iPhone, I, I use a ridiculously long password. Like how many characters? I, well, I I'm not going to disclose that information, but uh, but let, let's let's just say it's very long. Let's just say that a very small percentage of people use passcodes as long and complex as yours. That's a fact. That's <laughs> very true. So you're probably safer than most people, but you know, computer security is always about a balance between security and convenience. Having that four-digit and then six-digit passcode means that you can get into your device quickly. And this is important for a device you carry around in your pocket and you use all the time. One can argue that with a computer, you can have slightly more protection because you're not going to be waking it up and logging in as often as, as you would for a phone. Yeah. And, and with, with Touch ID um, and Face ID, you have other options. It's not like you're constantly having to, to put in every single time you wake your device. Since you don't need to type in your passcode as often, you can safely use a longer passcode, maybe you'll need to do it once a day and trust that Touch ID and Face ID are going to protect you. So that would protect your backup a little bit more. You would still be able to get into the backup with that longer passcode if you forgot the backup password. And I guess that would be the best solution if you're really worried about security. Right. Yeah. If you're really worried about security, you're going to want to use longer, more complex passwords. That's that's just the way it is. Okay. Listeners, go check out the episode that we did on passwords if you want to know more about this. I think we're going to be talking about passwords a lot on this podcast because this is 
this is the interface between the human and the machine, and this is the weakest link in many ways. Other than Tom Cruise, this is the weakest link that can let people access your data. So think about maybe enhancing your passcode on your iPhone. Think about putting a really good, strong password on your iTunes backup. Back up your iOS device regularly and stay secure. All right. Thanks, Kirk. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Your comments and questions are welcome. Please feel free to send email correspondence to podcast at intego.com. We may use your question on a future episode. Links to topics and information Kirk and Josh mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where you'll find details on the full line of award-winning Intego security and utility software, intego.com.